Hi there, and welcome to Power Play. I'm Vashi Capellos. Tonight, TikTok timeout. For government equipment, um, it is better uh, to not have them access TikTok. The feds are wiping the popular app from all government devices over security concerns. At the same time, the Prime Minister is rebuffing calls for an inquiry into allegations of elections interference. In the 2019 and the 2021 elections, our election integrity held. Why shut down an inquiry and how do Canadians evaluate elections integrity without one? In moments, MPs will be here to debate that. Then, two ex-spy chiefs will be here to weigh in. Plus, Tories under fire for meeting with extremist German, German rather politician Christine Anderson. Pierre Polyev slammed the visit with three of his MPs, but should those MPs face bigger consequences? The front bench will be here to talk about that. First, though... Time's up on TikTok. The popular video sharing app has been banned from federal government devices. The announcement was made today with the president of the Treasury Board saying in part, the decision to remove and block TikTok from government mobile devices is being taken as a precaution, particularly given concerns about the legal regime that governs the information collected from mobile devices and is in line with the approach of our international partners. On a mobile device, TikTok's data collection methods provide considerable access to the contents of the phone. Canada is following the lead of the U.S. and the European Commission, which have already made moves to restrict the app from government devices. TikTok, though, is firing back, saying in part, it's curious that the government of Canada has moved to block TikTok without citing any specific security concern or contacting us with questions only after similar bans were introduced in the EU and the U.S. We are always available to meet with our government officials to discuss how we protect the privacy and security of Canadians but singling out TikTok in this way does nothing to achieve that shared goal. TikTok is owned by ByteDance, a Chinese internet company headquartered in Beijing. Lawmakers in other countries have raised national security concerns about that company sharing data it obtains through the app with China. The feds called, uh, called today on TikTok happens, rather, as they face demands to call an inquiry on allegations China interfered in past elections. Here's what the prime minister said when asked about an inquiry. You used to call yourself transparent by default. Why are you so resistant to calling such an inquiry? And are you at all open to the idea now of holding a public inquiry into this very important issue for Canadians? Because we're all concerned and worried about our elections integrity. And that's why we have put in place mechanisms, why we continue to see hearings on this in parliamentary committee, why we continue to be open and transparent, because yes, openness and transparency is, transparency is extraordinarily important uh, for our democracies and for active defense of our democracies. Joining me now to talk about that, Liberal MP Talib Nourmohamed, Conservative Democratic Reform critic Michael Cooper, and NDP House Leader Peter Julian. Hi, everybody. Good to see you. I apologize for my voice. I'm not sick, I promise. I've just lost it. Uh, Mr. Nourmohamed, I, I wanted to start with you. And just quickly on TikTok, before we move to the substance of 
whether to have or, or not to have an inquiry. Um, is this a first step? Is your government considering banning the app across the country? I think this is a step uh, that is for government devices. Uh, CSC, the Communication Security Establishment, has said that, you know, Canadians should be vigilant in what apps they put on their phones and whether or not TikTok is on people's personal devices, whether you're a politician, it's on your personal device, that is, that is a personal choice. But for government devices, there has been a level of concern raised. Uh, and so this is a proactive measure to make sure uh, that government devices are protected. So but at this stage, there is else. nothing else. And, and when you talk about a security concern, as I pointed out in the introduction, other countries have expe expressed concern that what happens is the data is, is taken because of the, uh, uh, the sort of nature of the app and what you agree to. But the concern from a national security perspective is that it is shared shared rather with the Chinese regime. Is that a concern your government has? I think any time information from a phone uh, is taken by a private enterprise and where the protocols are not sufficient to guarantee the privacy of that information, you have to be concerned. It's not simply about whether it's the Chinese government. I think any time you have situations like this in mobile apps, uh, particularly on government de devices, there's reason to be concerned. Okay, but let me just challenge you for a second because there's a lot of apps where there are privacy concerns. The concern raised by people in other countries, lawmakers in other countries who are worried about national security is specific to sharing it with China. You don't have those specific concerns. I, I'm not saying that. I am saying that among the many concerns that we should rightly have is where does that data go? If it's a Chinese company and that data could end up in the hands of the Chinese government, that's definitely something to be concerned about. Okay, I, I want to move on to the inquiry and I'll loop your colleagues in in a second. Just really quickly to get us started, started off, Mr. Mohammed, Nor Mohammed, pardon me. Um, the Prime Minister is, as I put there, rebuffing calls for an inquiry. There is concern. There is a, a lot of questions. There are a lot of questions being asked about the integrity of the past two elections as it relates specifically to allegations of Chinese foreign interference in those elections. Why not shed some major sunlight on this and call an inquiry? I think the first thing that Canadians should should be reassured of is that the elections in 19, 2019 and 2021 were free and fair. And the process that was put in place to make sure that happened was the uh, the commission that was set up. It's under the protocol, under the uh, critical uh, the critical election uh, incident uh, panel protocol that was set up with the the clerk of the Privy Council, the De deputy minister of, of, uh, of foreign affairs, uh, public safety, uh, of justice, so on and so forth. And they it is their role to assess whether or not any ins instances amount to impacting the outcome of the election. And so Canadians need to rest assured that both those elections were handled under that protocol. And in both elections, that, that threshold, that bar of impact on the outcome of the election was not raised. Now, that's not to say that we should not be concerned about foreign interference. Chinese interference is something that we've known about for quite some time. That's why we put the processes in place after the 2015 election, in advance of the 2019 election. And that's why we need to continue to lean in on making sure that we figure out what more we can do. And the Prime Minister was very clear about giving resources to ensure that that is the case. We have the Committee of Parliamentarians who are cleared to deal with this. They're going to look at this and we'll look at the recommendations that come out of this. Okay, I have some challenges for that, but I want to bring in Mr. Cooper. On the point that Mr. Mohammed makes around the site task force, which was established to raise an alarm bell should the integrity of the election be compromised, that alarm was not sounded. He, he is correct. The Prime Minister is correct in that. Why do you think an inquiry is still necessary if we know, based on that, that the outcome of the election was not impacted? Well, the rapid response mechanism at Global Affairs was monitoring interference targeted at conservative candidates in the 21 election, and those candidates were kept in the dark. 
that is a problem. And although no one is disputing that the overall result of the election was in any way compromised, what we have was a campaign, a sophisticated campaign of interference targeted at specific ridings that may have impacted the outcome in those ridings, whether it's five, six, ten ridings, it's a big deal. And for the Prime Minister to downplay uh, this type of interference by Beijing is unacceptable. And he talks about transparency, but he's been anything but transparent. The Liberals have gutted a motion that I put forward last week for the independent parliamentary law clerk to redact relevant documents, uh, the parliamentary law clerk being having a full national security clearance, totally independent, to produce the documents to committee and to have appear before our committee relevant ministers as well as PMO staff. And now based on the shocking allegations that senior Trudeau staff were briefed by CSIS that a liberal candidate, now a liberal MP, uh, had the assistance of Beijing in securing his nomination, and then they turned a blind eye to that, uh, all raises all the more reason why we need to hear from the PMO, from the Prime Minister, right. and why this Prime Minister and his staff cannot be shielded any longer. And, they and have a lot to answer and for. And I certainly do, and we'll get to those allegations yeah. in a second. I understand those concerns. But, but in, in what, I mean, specifically, how have, has the Prime Minister sort of downplayed all of this. He set up that committee, that is the work of this government, right, to sound an alarm. There uh, have been, uh, you know, CSIS does collect the information, does pass it on. If it didn't impact the outcome of the election, uh, why do you assume something nefarious? Happened? Well, if it impacted the results in any writing, that is a problem. If candidates were kept in the dark when that interference was happening, that's a problem as well. And the, the Prime Minister has up until now refused to answer basic questions. What we now need to hear from the Prime Minister answer very simply is, was he aware that CSIS had briefed his senior staff that Mr. Dong uh, may be compromised by Beijing, and what did he do about it? Did he turn a blind eye? That's a critical question, because if he did turn a blind eye, it's scandalous. And even more concerning, just on that Global News report, is that this was a classified briefing, and it, there were at least two sources in that Global News story that uh, reported that that information was then leaked to Mr. Dong. If that's the case, not only is that scandalous, it might have crossed the line wanna, into criminality. I just want to explain to our viewers who are watching the allegation, as you said, first reported by Global News over the weekend, is that a Liberal MP in a riding just near, near Toronto in Don Valley um, was involved in these efforts for foreign interference and that, um, you know, he, which he categorically denies, I should say today, and that there were there was some intelligence to that effect that was shared with people around the Prime Minister and, and he was warned not to uh, approve his nomination. The Prime Minister was asked that a couple of times today. Uh, he said he stood by, uh, this is the statement that you're looking at on the screen from, from Han Dong himself, when he in which he denies that. Um, uh, he says he stands by Mr. Dong. He, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, he was a good candidate. He didn't directly address whether or not he had been briefed, but he did say it's not the role of security officials to offer that kind of warning. Uh, Mr. Julian, Mr. Cooper just brought up uh, part of what he put forward to committee last week that would have broadened the scope of, of the type of people you can call before it and the type of information. Uh, the NDP was supportive of the Liberals in that instance. Do, has your position evolved like Mr. Singh's has to now support an inquiry? 
Well, we're, we're the only party that has been calling for an inquiry. The Conservatives have been uh, discreet on this, and, and the Liberals, of course, uh, Mr. Trudeau, uh, up until now, has uh, refused to put in place a national public inquiry. But the, the, the reality is Canadians need answers to these very, very serious allegations. This, uh, these are allegations of criminal activity that have basically violated the electoral laws that govern our elections. If the allegations are true, uh, we saw with the former Conservative MP, Dean Del Mastro, he ended up in prison. And these allegations are something uh, that I think uh, all of us need to have answers to. And so uh, Mr. Singh's call yesterday for a national public inquiry, we're hoping that all parties will support that. This is the way of getting answers in a nonpartisan way. Both conservative and liberal candidates were apparently involved. Those are the allegations that are before us. Uh, we need to make sure in a nonpartisan way through a national public inquiry that we get answers to these important questions. Should you, would you support Mr. Cooper's call, though, for uh, the law clerk, for example, to get involved in, in redacting documents so that you have more access to them and that for certain PMO staffers to be called as well? Uh, we, we go beyond that, and we will be bringing forward motions this week uh, to, to that effect. Uh, we're con very concerned about uh, Liberal Party involvement, Conservative Party involvement. Uh, the Conservatives have, have not uh, come clean on, on who is actually involved from the Conservative Party. The Liberals uh, have not uh, been willing to put, put forward the national public inquiry that is required. These are important questions need to be answered. And, and we go beyond the issue of foreign interference from China. Of course, the, the 2016 uh, election elected Donald Trump had collusion with the Russian government. Uh, we saw the same thing in the Brexit. Uh, so are you trying uh, to broaden it out beyond China? Yes, foreign interference generally, we, we need to be concerned about. And, and we need to have with a public inquiry, uh, the full state of okay. what, what are the concerns that have been raised about foreign, foreign <laughs> interference in our elections. Canadians okay. need answers to those questions. I have to leave it there. I wish I had time to ask more questions and get more answers, but certainly we'll be looking towards that committee this week. Thank you very much, Mr. Nur Mohammed, Mr. Cooper, and Mr. Julian. The core is calling for a public inquiry into allegations of Chinese election interference. As you heard, there is getting louder. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh joined those calls. Uh, they were coming from conservative benches as well as from a former CSIS director and a chief electoral officer. They want the 2019 and 2021 federal elections and the possibility of foreign interference in them investigated. Mr. Singh says in Part, we accept the outcome of the election, but the serious allegations that individual candidates may have been impacted by foreign interference deserve a thorough, transparent and independent investigation. The way to stop alleged secret Chinese interference is to refuse to keep them secrets for their secrets rather for them. A fully independent and nonpartisan public inquiry is the way to shine a light into the shadows. Let's get some more perspective on the best avenue to investigate potential foreign interference in our elections. With me now, Ward Elcock, former director of CSIS, Canada's spy agency, or the Canadian uh, Service, sorry, Canadian Security Intelligence Service, and Richard Fadden, former national security advisor to Prime Ministers Stephen Harper and Justin Trudeau. He's also a former CSIS director. Hello to both of you. Thank you very much for making the time. Uh, let's start off on the big political question today the Prime Minister was on the receiving end of, and that is to have an inquiry or not. I think from my reading over the weekend, I've ascertained that you have differing opinions. So, Mr. Fadden, I'll start with you. Why should there be an inquiry from your perspective? Well, I think to start with, this is a, an issue of transcending importance to Canadian democracy. And I think we need something that will be as open as possible and uh, as objective as possible. 
I understand there's a parliamentary committee looking at this right now, but I think it's it's actually unfair to ask MPs who are by definition partisan to look at this issue totally objectively and without, you know, giving the opportunity for overly partisan debates. One of the issues, I think, is that um, it is a bit more difficult to give public inquiries access to highly classified material, but there are precedents for doing it. You clear the commissioner and his staff, and you let them look at the material, and they can't report on it, but they can assure the readers in the final report that the, the matter has been dealt with. And in fact, it's not very different from what happens in House of Commons Committee, although the committee uh, dealing with national security, the Committee of Parliamentarians dealing with national security does have access. Mr. Elcock, uh, your view from what I've read, and please do correct me if I'm wrong, is that it might not be the best avenue to look into the issue. I don't think it is the best avenue, actually. I, th I think there are a couple of problems. One is I'm not sure that commissions of inquiry are as useful as many Canadians think they are. They're also very expensive. Uh, th as well, I'm not sure that at the end of the day, it will provide much assurance for Canadians that the issues have been examined. Yes, people will get access to the information, but at the end of the day, Canadians are going to have to go on trust that the Commission was got its, got its facts right. Um, I think much more intelligent would be to give it to the Committee of Parliamentarians, which, while it is a partisan committee made up of partisan members of Parliament, has a more at arm's length from the, the cut and thrust of, of politics like a normal parliamentary committee, uh, which I don't think would be a good place to do this. And so that would be, I think, the Committee of Parliamentarians would be the right place to so, send this. So just to follow up, you, you'd say like a, a special committee designated just to do this? No, there is a committee. The NSI oh, yeah. COP is the committee that oh, is established to do this. I think some people are concerned that perhaps not all, not all the details would come out, but I think the reality is if if parliament par, if members of the various parties sitting on that committee come to a conclusion, I think the essentials will get out probably more than would in fact come out with a royal commission. Let me take two steps back, and though you might disagree on the avenues, my guess is you agree on the uh, substance of what needs to be examined. Do, what do you think is at stake here, Mr. Fadden? Well, I think what is at stake is Canadian, the confidence of Canadians and, and the, uh, the integrity of our political system, of our electoral system. And for that to be able to be worked on appropriately, we're going to need an organization that has the time and the resources uh, to, to go from the very beginning to look at the, the Canadian electoral system, to look at what CSIS does, to look at what people in government do with what CSIS does. Um, and I would argue that uh, with respect to what Ward has said, I think the Rouleau Commission, which is just wrapped up, is a perfect example of what can be done if you get the right commissioner in the right time frame. Uh, I think pretty well everybody agrees that that was an excellent example of what public inquiries can do, and that's the sort of thing that I'm advocating. What do you think about that, Mr. Alcock? I think, like Dick, that, that uh, Mr. Justice Rouleau did a great job. Uh, unfortunately, I've seen a lot of royal commissions uh, in my time in PCO who didn't do a great job, uh, and it's not clear to me that this one necessarily would work th that well. Um, I think it would be better to send it to the Committee of Parliamentarians rather than, than a, a royal commission. Um, but I think the, the key thing is actually that the, 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 the perception is that the government hasn't done anything with information that appears to be there. I think the government has got to find a way to take some kind of action 
that in fact would demonstrate that it is using the information available to take action to deal with these issues rather than simply letting it drift. And that's really the problem And here. What's, what's, what, what is an example of that kind of action that they could take? Well, there are a number of things. It, there are a range of things depending on what information they actually have, but they may actually be able to uh, declare a diplomat persona non grata because of the activities they've been carrying on. It's also possible that there are people who, who could be prosecuted. That's more difficult because it depends on the information you have, how, that in, how the government got that information, and whether you can, in fact, reveal the sources of that information to have a successful prosecution. But, but there are things the government could do or ought to be thinking of doing, and I'm a little surprised they haven't actually found something to do. It's a good point, Mr. Fadden, because I too was sort of surprised to listen to the Prime Minister today essentially double down on what he said late last week, despite the kind of mounting calls for, for something more or perhaps uh, you know, for the federal government to take a deeper look at its options or what exactly is transpiring. The Prime Minister essentially said the same thing. We've got a committee. We had other committees that produced reports. But I'm wondering from the perspective of you know, Canadians who are watching, uh, what's still missing for them? What's still missing for you, Mr. Fadden? Well, I agree with Ward that we need some government action. And I think some of the action is going to be legislative in nature. I would argue that it is a good practice to keep government out of elections. So I think we should amend the Canada Elections Act to clearly and unambiguously impose duties on political parties to take care uh, about how foreign interference might occur at the constituency level, give the chief, elect uh, chief electoral officer and the commissioner of elections the power to monitor this. Just one example. I don't think this needs a royal commission. It doesn't need the committee of parliamentarians to look at it. You know, this, I think we have to remember that this is not happening only in Canada. And, you know, our tendency in this country is to look at things, I think, for too long. I demand the Canada Elections Act and impose a positive duty on political parties to monitor for foreign interference and to impose severe penalties if they don't do it. And with specific reference to China, Mr. Alcock, uh, the ask has been out there now for a while through a private member's bill, as well as the precedent in Australia about setting up, for example, a foreign agent registry. Is that something that the government could do? I think that's also something the government could do, although that's slightly different than what, what Dick is saying. And I would agree with Dick that that's something that should be changed. But the reality is the problem, the only limitation with both of those suggestions is that it doesn't deal with the clandestine interference in, in Canadian politics or in the Canadian system or with Canadians. Uh, those issues would still have to be dealt with um, in, a, in other ways. And speaking of those issues, Mr. Fadden, I did want to uh, get your perspective on the new allegations, part of the reason why there's kind of additional questions for the Prime Minister over the weekend, about a Liberal MP in Ontario, Handung. Uh, Global News reported that there were um, suspicions that CSIS had about his own involvement. He is denying that, I should say categorically, but his own involvement in this foreign interference. Um, and the question was put to the Prime Minister, did CSIS warn you, did anyone warn you about this and ask you not to put forth his or approve his nomination? Um, he did not specifically address that question, just sort of said, and I'm paraphrasing, I'm standing with Mr. Dong, and also um, it's not the place of security officials to advise me uh, of that kind of thing. Uh, in your experience, is that something CSIS would do, uh, offer a warning to the Prime Minister? Absolutely not. CSIS is quite restricted in what it can do, and basically it collects information, analyzes it, and makes it available to government departments and to ministers. 
I find it almost inconceivable that CSIS would, on a political issue like this, presume to tell the Prime Minister what to do or not to do with a candidate. What government departments or PMO or minister's offices do with the information produced by CSIS is an entirely different issue. But I think on this one, the Prime Minister is entirely correct. It's not for CSIS to advise him on what to do with Liberal Party candidates. Uh, Mr. Elcock, you worked in PCO. Would that information have come to the PCO and then maybe perhaps to the Prime Minister? Like, how does that process work? Uh, there have been... A, uh, I was the general counsel in PCO for, for about 10 years. Um, on occasion, I have had... I have received information from a variety of agencies to provide ult ultimately to the Prime Minister. Uh, but Dick is absolutely right. Uh, neither None of those agencies would provide advice to the Prime Minister. It would simply be information that was received and then was conveyed to the Prime Minister, and the Prime Minister would then have to make a decision on that information. Okay, I'm going to leave it there. Mr. Elcock, Mr. Fadden, thank you very much for your time and for your insights this evening. Good to be with you. Thank you. Ward Elcock and Dick Fadden, they're two former chiefs of CSIS, heads of CSIS. We're going to dig into this issue a bit later with the front bench panel up today. Carlene Varian, Melanie Parody, Kathleen Monk, and Emily Nicolas. Up next, though, the president of Soccer Canada has just resigned following weeks of protests from female players over the amount of money invested in their program versus the men's program. The details on that resignation and the list are up after a very quick break. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Power Play on this Monday evening. Time for the list, a roundup of what's happening in politics today. The president of Canada soccer, Nick Bontis, has resigned. Bontis made the announcement saying he acknowledges the moment requires change. The resignation comes after very public labor disputes within Canada soccer involving both the men's and women's teams. Bontis became president of the organization back in 2020. Thanks to a little innovation and a lot of listening to healthcare workers, we got a lot done in the last three months. But we still have a lot more to do, and we will not stop pushing until healthcare is accessible to every single Albertan. That was Alberta Premier Danielle Smith on her province's plan to reduce healthcare wait times. Today, Alberta signed an agreement in principle with the feds on healthcare funding, making it the seventh province to do so. The province will see $24 billion in federal funding as a result over 10 years, $2.9 billion of which is new money for a new bilateral deal focused on shared health care priorities, as all the provinces and feds are characterizing it. Ukraine's President Vladimir Zelensky has fired a top military commander with no explanation. Edward Moskilov was dismissed in a one-line decree. He'd been the commander of the Joint Forces of Ukraine battling in the Donbass region in the country's east. Moskilov had been in the post since March of last year, shortly after the war started. We are watching closely. We know they haven't taken it off the table. And we are sending a clear message, as are our European allies, that this would be a real mistake because those weapons would be used to bombard cities and kill civilians, and China should want no part of that. U.S. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan there speaking, speaking rather to ABC News, saying China would face serious consequences if it sends lethal military aid to Russia. The U.S. has reportedly obtained intelligence that China is considering offering drones and ammunition to aid Russia's war 
on Ukraine. Stay right there. The front bench is coming up. We're going to talk China and a meeting three Tories took with a far-right German MP. Carlene Varian, Melanie Paradis, Kathleen Monk, and Emily Nicola. There they all there. They are going to be with me after a quick break. Don't go anywhere. You used to call yourself transparent by default. Why are you so resistant to calling such an inquiry? And are you at all open to the idea now of holding a public inquiry into this very important issue for Canadians? Because we're all concerned and worried about our elections integrity. And that's why we have put in place mechanisms, why we continue to see hearings on this in parliamentary committee, why we continue to be open and transparent, because yes, openness and transparency is, transparency is extraordinarily important uh, for our democracies and for active defense of our democracies. Pressure is mounting on Ottawa, as you heard there, to call an inquiry into allegations of Chinese foreign interference in federal elections. The Prime Minister insists existing mechanisms are enough to dig into those allegations, but his critics are not convinced. Is the front bench? Let's find out. With me this evening, former Chief of Staff to Jim Carr, Carlene Varian. She's an Associate Vice President with Summa Strategies now. Former Communications Director to Aaron O'Toole, Melanie Paradis is here. She's now the President of Texture Communications. NDP Strategist and Monk & Associates Principal Owner Kathleen Monk is with us, as is Le Devoir Columnist Emily Nicola. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Very good to see you. Uh, Melanie, I'm going to start with you because it's your old boss who uh, originally sounded an alarm about this, I think, before he had even, or maybe just after he had exited that role. Uh, what are you thinking about as you see this play out now uh, on an even bigger stage in, in the national media over the past week? As leader, we had started to hear from some of the, the candidates on the ground who who were raising the alarm bells about the experience that they had had, uh, particularly the influence in, in WeChat um, and some of the other tools that were being used to allegedly interfere with, with the election. Um, he raised this before his departure as leader um, and has since continued to speak to this. Um, and, I, and I want to make clear, at no point in time has he indicated that this would have changed the result of the election. I think it's important for partisans on all sides to recognize that the, the, the challenge that we're dealing with with foreign interference, the question is not whether the result of the election would have been changed. The issue is this is a threat that is continuing to grow and it could impact future elections as well. Um, and so we really need to have a public inquiry into exactly what happened in 2021 and in 2019, um, what techniques were being used, what tactics, who was involved in them, and, and, and make sure that we make any changes that are necessary to ensure that this does not happen again in future elections at all levels of government, whether that be federal, provincial, or municipal, because this is an active threat. I think, Carlene, especially starting from, from the point that Melanie did, right, we're not saying that the outcome of the election was stolen, as you know, we know is the case in the United States, but we do know stuff happened. It is a bit confusing to me that there is such a resistance to maybe it's not an inquiry, but some higher level of inquisition on this, given the nature of the questions, the nature of the allegations, and, and the fact that nobody is saying that the election was stolen. I think one of the most important things that uh, public officials, governments can do uh, when it comes to 
preserving trust in a democracy, which is incredibly important, um, is to acknowledge and nuance that distinction between attempts at interference and actual interference in an outcome or a result. There's no question, and it has been uh, discussed quite publicly by the Canadian government and its agencies for some time now that countries like China, Russia, Iran, North Korea in particular all engage in efforts on a regular basis, including in election cycles, um, to interfere. There are already some established bodies that do look at this. There are things like the National Security and Intelligence Committee of Parliamentarians, which meets regularly. There are the national threat assessments that get published for the public every year. Um, as to the question of whether an inquiry about the specific 2021 election would yield new things, I, I'm skeptical that it would, just given the, the very uh, sensitive nature of a lot of this information. Um, but I think the broader point here that the Prime Minister I, demonstrated a lot of sensitivity to today was this is a very dangerous game that we start to play when we start to uh, sow doubt about the intentions of a person or a candidate running for office um, because they don't come from here or because they don't look like some of the rest of the people who make up the majority of our population. And that's something that we also have to be very careful about. I, th I think you're talking about um, Han Dong and those allegations specifically because that's what he made those comments in reference to, Kathleen. Uh, I, I would say a few things. First of all, that reporting comes from Global News and I I would not want to insinuate that that was their objective there. Mm -hmm. um, they are, it's a very lengthy report. Um, it's somebody who has reported extensively on the issue over the past number of months. Um, their allegations, they're, they're not proven at this point, mm -hmm. right? The allegation, just for everybody watching, is that this individual who is a Liberal MP was involved in these interference efforts and the Prime Minister was warned by security officials, who he says, by the way, don't do that, but was warned about... Um, confirming his nomination and, and despite yeah. that went ahead with it. He didn't address the specifics of that but did sort of say I stand by Mr. Dong and as well um, that's not the place of security officials which is what both Dick Fadden, Dick Fadden rather, and yeah. Ward Alcock said to me. At the same time I, I take the point about wanting to be sensitive to that, wanting to be sensitive to the issues around sowing doubt but I'm not sure it's it's fair to constantly say, well, you're sowing doubt just for raising some questions about now, you know, CSIS reports that the Globe is reporting say there was some untoward stuff happening. Yeah, and, and this is day 10 of this story, right? Just the 2021 election story, which started on February 17th with the Globe and Mail and, and has grown since then. It doesn't seem like it's going to ebb. You know, the House is coming back, uh, you know, shortly next week and things will start to kick up again. So I think really it is time that the government kind of name and shame. Other countries have done that. In the United Kingdom, they have named agents of Beijing and that has allowed members of parliament in the United Kingdom to avoid influence or avoid accepting donations. This happens in other countries. But I think what the debate today is centering around is whether this has to be a public inquiry, a nonpartisan public inquiry, or whether this can happen in the Procedure and House Affairs Committee, a committee that happens on the Hill. And I think there's a good criticism about those committees because they can often be debating, political debating clubs. And that's not what we want right now. And, and whether we should be looking backwards at past elections or maybe, as Carlene suggested, I think is actually what would be most useful 
level is a series of recommendations, whether from academics, whether from politicos, but how we can prevent this in the future. You know, right now we have a system, and particularly nomination meetings, where, you know, people can vote in those nomination meetings as long as they're a party member. And I think that that is, it, they are open and they are some of the fiercest battles that take place at that nomination level. They're more difficult at times than winning the actual election in some ridings. So how do parties, you know, manage that? I mean, Dick Fadden, who I have immense respect for, just said that parties should have a duty to police this and then possibly given penalties. I'm not sure if the party apparatus has the ability to be the checks and balances on foreign interference. So that's, a, that's another question that, frankly, but, politicians I, yeah, and, and I, academics should look and into. And I feel like just to round it out, Emily, mm -hmm. if... Uh, that's, I think everybody is hoping to avoid this in the future, to yeah. figure out how to prevent it. But can you determine the best tools to do that if you don't have all the information mm -hmm. at your disposal? No. And uh, it, at the contrary, I think uh, not having all the information is what is going to be sowing the dots, <laughs> to, to be taking that phrase again. Essentially, uh, it seems that the, the Trudeau Liberals are in a position where they believe that people are really safe about democracy. They believe in Canadian institutions and that we don't want to sow doubts to destroy that. It's interesting that they're saying that just after the Rouleau report essentially described a movement of Canadians who already have a lot of doubt about uh, the way the Canadian uh, democracy has been working. And so that movement is already here. And with stories like that out there and a refusal to be as transparent as possible, to be as nonpartisan as possible in the way we look into it, that kind of movement that was just described in the Rouleau report is only likely to grow. Mm. That is one thing that really worries me. The other thing that really worries me is that when you don't have answers to all of, your, of those questions, what happens is the doubts will mostly impact the people who are actually Chinese Canadians or are trying to get involved in politics. And then if you don't know who are the actors, who is what, then everybody who might be of a Chinese origin could be uh, in, impacted in terms of trying to be, be involved in, in political organizing in the future if parties are just trying to play safe. And so that is really, really nasty as well. Mm -hmm. And that's a very possible outcome as well. We've seen that in the past already when a sp specific diaspora is trying to get involved in politics. There's obviously some undertones of racism in there that makes it that people are like, oh, are these real members? Are these people who are actually Canadians. And so if we don't solve that, if we don't figure out who's responsible for what, then everybody um, uh, of Asian descent, actually, because people are sometimes too ignorant to make the difference, uh, could be impacted in this and the way they, they're involving Canadian politics. And that would be absolutely irresponsible as an outcome. That's a really good point. Okay, I have to mm -hmm. leave this part of our discussion there. The front bench is sticking around. On the other end of a quick break, we're going to talk about uh, three Tories meeting with a far-right extremist German politician. We are back in just a moment here on PowerPlay. Welcome back to Power Play. One MP is firing back after the Prime Minister called three Conservative politicians out for meeting with extremist German politician Christine Anderson. Leslin Lewis, one of three Tory MPs who met with Anderson, tweeted out this. The Prime Minister wore a blackface, denigrating black people, throws minority women under the bus. How he suggests I'm racist for meeting a sitting EU MP. I stand by my record defending immigrants, religious minorities and the vulnerable, not mocking and dividing them as the Prime Minister does. 
Conservative Party leader Pierre Polyev condemned Anderson and said the three MPs knew nothing about her party's leanings. Let's bring back the front bench to talk about this. Carlene Varian, Melanie Parody, Kathleen Monk, and Emily Nicola are all here. Emily, I'll start with you. The, uh, Mr. Polyev uh, denounced her, said she shouldn't have come to Canada, but said that the three MPs didn't know anything about her. Do you think that's enough to quell... Uh, a, public outcry about this, but B, also criticism from his political opponents? Uh, it would have been if it wasn't for essentially, you know, this happened la at the end of last week, uh, and then this story could have died, but then Leslie Lewis decided to defend herself by mm -hmm. doing that. It's making it a story again, <laughs> which is, you know, communication, political communication 101. And now we're discussing her tweets and her reaction and all of that. So it would have been enough if uh, that he had had the last word. But obviously now he doesn't. Uh, and with uh, Louis, uh, Louis's tweet, what you see is that she's describing Anderson as, you know, a sitting European MP. And by saying that, she sounds like she's understating uh, what she Anderson actually stands for and so in in doing that that also raises a whole lot of questions in terms of how she takes seriously what Anderson platform actually actually is and whether or not she was aware of that or not this it's all questions that we still have and by essentially tweeting that she's making sure that we remember that we still have those questions on Monday it sort of speaks a little bit also to the uh, Kathleen the questions around like you did you didn't know um, I mean, everyone's saying they didn't know what she stood for, um, and and then Pierre Polyev echoing that. Well, they didn't know. Uh, in other instances, we've seen provincially, you know, leaders can kick people out or right. discipline them in some way. I'm not I'm not arguing the merits of either, but but you know, do something more than just saying, well, they they didn't know, which often can also help to quell the criticism. Yeah, let's remember, just a couple years ago, when Aaron O'Toole was leader of the Conservative Party, Derek Sloan was actually kicked out of the party just for accepting a donation from a white supremacist. And now we have three MPs from Oshawa, Niagara, and Norman Hanfucht who are actually meeting, and they basically just get a hand slap. I mean, Leslie Lewis's apology today was basically, I didn't know, and I have to meet with every MP and every invitation that comes by. First of all, I called around today. That, I was a staffer on the Hill. I know that not to be the case, but I thought maybe the rules have changed since you know the decade or so that I haven't been on the Hill. So I called around. No, of course you can say no to meeting uh, foreign MPs. Of course you do your due diligence. Of course you do your research. It's just unfathomable that these MPs did not know who this uh, politician was, that they were racist, that they were anti-Semitic, that they were anti-LGBTQ. You know, so, so it's just not true. I just don't buy it. And whether it will remain a story... Um, and how much legs? I think that question has to be asked. Just a couple years ago, Derek Sloan was kicked out for this donation. These MPs are meeting with white supremacists. What disciplinary measures is Pierre Polyev going to take against them? I suggest he won't do any because he's got to keep that more extremist party part of the right of, of his party in check. He is not able to just promise like Harper was, I'll give you power, just stay disciplined with me. These MPs are showing their true colors. Do, do you think that's true, Melanie, that, that, that he prob likely won't do something more because of those considerations? I mean, I, I think that, uh, look, it, honestly, it remains to be seen what he's going to do about this. I would, it's not for me to opine on the decision that he's going to make here. There are a lot of factors that go into deciding um, how to discipline an MP or, or not to discipline an MP. Um, and I'm sure that they're weighing a, a lot of options and that there's just a lot more going on behind the scenes that we aren't privy to. 
But I think more importantly, what what happened here, and I agree with Emily's point that this is an unforced error uh, and and creating a, a whole other news cycle about this story that was entirely unnecessary. Uh, and it's distracting from what is and should continue to be the biggest story in the country right now, uh, which is the Liberals not calling a public inquiry into election interference. And so uh, it, it's it's frustrating uh, for me as a conservative to see um, a sort of, you know, stepping on a rake here a bit uh, instead of allowing the Liberals to rightfully take the spotlight as they're being dragged for making a poor decision and not taking action and, and calling a public inquiry. Um, and uh, and again, I'm also disappointed, frankly, that we're now on like year four of going back to, oh, well, the prime minister did blackface and and that should somehow be like the, our explanation for, for everything. That's our talking point in 2019, in 2021. And you know what? In both of those elections, Canadians still decided to elect the guy. So I think that we need to come up with something better than that at this point. On the the whole idea, um, Carlene, of uh, this taking away from what they want to be talking about, which had been working for them, right? This is a can be at times a persistent vulnerability for them. And Vashi, I have to say, all I've been thinking over the last few days is I've seen this movie before because you rewind ten years; these are exactly the kind of internal. Uh, caucus struggles that the Liberal Party was going through when it was in opposition. And for the Liberal Party, you know, some of the, the difficult issues that the leader, the new leader at the time, Justin Trudeau, had to confront when he came in in 2013 were things like support for a women's uh, right to choose um, or uh, issues around LGBTQ2 rights. Um, and it was difficult, um, but what it took ultimately uh, for him to be successful and the party to be successful was to lay down the law and show some real caucus discipline. I think, you know, for the Conservative Party, obviously, the issues are different. Apparently, it's Nazis and homophobics. But um, if Pierre Polyev is going to get different results as the leader of this party than the last two failed Conservative leaders, he needs to put his foot down right now, make an example out of these three and kick him out of caucus. Well, we'll see. Okay, I'm going to leave the conversation there. Thank you very much to our front bench panel tonight, Melanie Paradis, Carlene Varian, Kathleen Monk, and Emily Nicola. We are back with today's takeaway on Power Play tonight in just a moment. Stay right there. Welcome back to Power Play. Some more information now on a significant decision from the federal government today, basically to remove and block the app TikTok, which shows short videos, really popular app, from government-issued devices. Let me read to you part of a statement on that decision from Treasury Board President Mona Forche. The minister writes, the decision to remove and block TikTok from government mobile devices is being taken as a precaution particularly given concerns about the legal regime that governs the information collected from mobile devices and is in line with the approach of our international partners. On a mobile device, TikTok's data collection methods provide considerable access to the contents of the phone. And certainly, Minister Forte is correct that our international partners have pursued moves like this over the past uh, year, basically, including in the United States, a number of state governments, as well as more broadly, uh, the, the government is focused on um, 
uh, devices issued as well in that respect, the same way that Canada did. But there, they're actually entertaining a bill that would be far more sweeping. It would include banning the app countrywide. Let me read to you uh, a little bit about what TikTok says about what Canada is doing right now. It's curious that the government of Canada, a statement reads, has moved to block TikTok without citing any specific security concern or contacting us with questions only after similar bans were introduced in the EU and the US. We are always available to meet with our government officials to discuss how we protect the privacy and security of Canadians, but singling out TikTok in this way does nothing to achieve that shared goal. Talib Nur Mohammed, a Liberal MP, was on this program tonight, and I asked him if there were specific security concerns around this information from the company that owns TikTok being shared with China. He said it's one of a host of concerns. I also asked him about whether or not the Canadian government is considering making this ban uh, more broad in its nature and following suit with the U.S. law being proposed there. Have a listen to what he said. I, this is a step uh, that is for government devices. Uh, CSC, the Communication Security Establishment, has said that, you know, Canadians should be vigilant in what apps they put on their phones and whether or not TikTok is on people's personal devices, whether you're a politician, it's on your personal device, that is that is a personal choice. But for government devices, there has been a level of concern raised. Uh, and so this is a proactive measure to make sure uh, that government devices are protected. So but at this stage, nothing there is else. nothing else. So a clear answer there from Mr. Nur Mohammed that the government at this stage does not plan on considering what the U.S. is considering doing, which is banning the app right across the country. That does it for us at Power Play tonight. I'll hand things over to my colleague, Morella Fernandez. I hope you have a great evening, and I'll see you same time, same place tomorrow.